Okay, so here I have, <laughs> I really am going to try and go through this. So I've got about 18 minutes to go with you through God's Word. Okay? The worship songs are so beautiful, but let me tell you, spending time in His Word is equally worshipful. So let's not forget that. My week has been a little bit crazy this week. It's been a little bit of a drinking from the fire hydrant, so you're kind of getting a spewing of what I've learned. And I thought I would give you just a little glimpse of what has happened in my house this week. Hold on one second. I um, We want a dog so badly in our house, so badly. And uh, my husband, I'm a big believer in submission, and so he doesn't want a dog, we don't get a dog. And uh, I came home the other day and my daughter said, Dad's at the pet store. He went to the pet store. I was like, oh, you know, maybe there's a little, my birthday's coming up. Maybe he really is going to surprise me. I come in and there's this box on the porch of a reptile uh, holder. Oh, yeah, this is Zeus who entered our home this week. <laughs> he is an emperor scorpion and uh, he's the size of my hand, ladies. So I can't even walk in. The, and he's in my, my my boys share a room and I don't have any idea how they're sleeping in that room and I mean it's just I dream now about Zeus so I thought y'all would just enjoy that little this is my life it's out of control there's no control okay so let's move to the next slide today we're going to be in class so I thought it would be helpful, especially as we begin Daniel, just to look very quickly at, at the overview of actually what we're reading about. This book, don't lose sight of what this book is and who wrote it, okay? We have to consider the source of what it is. We might be tempted to read this book and think it's a list of do's and don'ts. It's not, okay? We may be tempted to read Daniel and think it's a story of what's going to happen and let's focus on all these amazing things. It's not. This is a story about your creator. It starts with the Lord of the universe who literally spoke into existence, said the words, God said, let there be light. And what happened? There was light. God said, let there be animals, let there be plants, and let there be creatures that fill the earth. Let there be water, let the heavens exist. And it happened. When he came to one creature named man, he just didn't say the words, let there be man. He took the ground, literally formed it, and then in his breath, he breathed life into man. And here we are. This story, this entire book, is a love story of, of a creator who created a beautiful being to relate with him because he loved them. And it's a story about how, how man messed up that relationship slightly by sinning. And in that sin, there was a separation, but God didn't go anywhere. If y'all remember, if you look back to Genesis, He didn't move. He was still there, and He was ready to clothe them instantly. It's a story about when sin came into being, so did pride, and so did our, our, our just con consuming, all-consuming ideas about ourselves. It's a story about what happens when we consume ourselves with ourselves. It's a story about consequences of what happens when we separate ourselves from God. He tells us in Deuteronomy 8:19, If you ever forget the Lord your God and follow other gods and worship and bow down to them, I testify against you today that you will surely be destroyed like the nations the Lord destroyed before you, so you will be destroyed for not obeying your God. It's a story about love. Because even though we were separated, he provided the law 
so that we would know, because when, before that, we didn't need to know what the boundaries were because we were, there was no separation. But there came the need to know what the boundaries were. It became, there became the need to know what outline there would be. And that's what the law did. And the law leads and directs us. And the law reveals our need. Paul is very specific about that, that he realized how badly he needed to know Christ because he understood that he began to covet. And the only way he knew that was by the law. And the law really is the thing that propels us to the greatest story ever lived. And that is the story of Jesus Christ. And I love how he says that he will, the Lord will call you back as if you were a wife deserted and distressed in spirit. A wife who married young, only to be rejected, says your God. For a brief moment I abandoned you, but with deep compassion I will bring you back. In a surge of anger I hid my face from you for a moment, but the everlasting kindness I will have compassion on you, says the Lord your Redeemer. There's a beautiful verse we all know in John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Isaiah tells us, Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love will not be shaken. It goes from the very beginning to the very end. The story, I love you. Let me reveal myself to you so that you know who's in love with you and who's never ever going to let you go, who tells you everything that's going to happen, who never negates himself, who when he says something is going to happen, it does happen. And here we go to Daniel because we need to really recognize what we're dealing with before we enter, when we enter a book like Daniel. And so if we could go to the next slide. We're going to look at, I, I thought it would be helpful just to give you a history of, of where Daniel came from. All of this is recorded in the book of Kings and then in 1st and 2nd Kings and 1st and 2nd Chronicles give you a great overview of, of uh, the history of the nation since God chose them. The book of Judges occurred before the book of Kings and Chronicles and that was before the people cried out and said we need a king. Before that the Lord was their king and he put people into place that were judges and he would through them he would he would tell them what he where they needed to go, what they needed to do and he would also conquer nations through these great warrior judges which is a judge that's different than the judge that we would consider. These judges were literally the rulers but God was the ruler over them. So the people cry out we've got to have a, everybody else has a king we need a king give us a king and what did he do he gave them a king and there we go from the and we know the story who he chose and how the person he chose did a great job but what happened his pride got in the way and he started being really happy with himself and then the Lord picked David David came up and was such a, a warrior, great, hard after man, hard after the Lord. And then after that, we get to see a liturgy of kings come and go. There are some that humble themselves before the Lord. There are many that do not humble themselves before the Lord. And we're going to look. For, this is just the, the last 150 years of Judah. Daniel was part of the kingdom of Judah. So we have King Ahaz, which I'm sure you all remember how wicked that king was. He was so bad. 
He put everything before the Lord. A man named Hezekiah came after him who was a very, very good king. There's, some, there's a neat story about him and a man named Sennacherib who was as, as big as Nebuchadnezzar, who was the ruler, and everyone was scared of him. And he totally dissed the Lord out loud to the people that were in the kingdom that Hezekiah was ruling, saying, hey, he's told you that God is going to come save you? God can't save you. I'm the ruler over everything. And needless to say, the Lord came and saved him. And it was a, it's a great story to go look at at the end of Hezekiah's life. Oh, pride kind of like peeked its head. And there was an awkward moment towards the end. The Lord told him, the kingdom, this kingdom as you know it, because sin has come into the world, will cease to exist. You are going into exile. I will stay with you. But these are the consequences of your actions. But he told Hezekiah, it's not going to happen with you. It's going to be later. After Hezekiah came Manasseh, terrible, very prideful. Amen, again, horrible, prideful. They took all, they worshipped other gods beside the Lord. They uh, put up poles. They, they spewed in the face of the Lord until a man named Josiah came. And something happened and while Amon was ruling. They found the word of the Lord. It had not been, it was in the temple. No one had been looking at it for years Josiah found it and fell prostrate before it. And what he did is he took it out and he made everyone listen to it. And they read from the beginning to the end the law of the Lord. And in doing that, they went back to realizing who God was. After Josiah became Jehoahaz, then Jehoiakim, and then a very, very short rule of Jehoiachin. And this is where our friend Nebuchadnezzar comes in. Okay. Does everybody feel good about this? That, is that helpful? Because if you really think about it, we don't know how old Daniel is. We know he's a teenager. We know that uh, these last three rulers, that's uh, what? You know, not even 11 years, 12 years. So Daniel was alive during the rule of Josiah. So you can rest assured that, jo that Daniel knew about the law of the Lord because the law of the Lord had been resurrected, so to speak, through Josiah. And so he was familiar with the truth. Because you might sit there as you open up Daniel and you go, gosh, could I ever be a Daniel? I don't know if I could do that. Could I ever stand strong? How, how could he stand in the face of these people of certain death and actually, and actually stand up and say, no, I'd like to live this way. I don't want to defile myself. How could I do that? There's one way that Daniel did that, and that was he knew who God was. The key to all of this, to the entire book, is God. Who he is, who he says he is, and his power, which sometimes I think we forget about that. I think we get wrapped up in things... And we sort of forget about it. That sort of sounded like, forget about it. That, that really wasn't it. Sorry. <laughs> I'm weird. <laughs> My children the other day begged me as I drove up to Carpool, please don't be weird, Mom. <laughs> it's very sad. Um, Alright, so let's for a moment look at the attributes of God. Because really, that's what this whole thing is about. We studied, y'all. I know y'all went through the dream and everything, but let's really focus on why a man could stand in the face of a, a maniacal king who, who, know, who knew what he was going to do next. There was no rhyme or reason the guy was a wacko. He could because he knew who God was. So what do we learn? In Daniel chapter 2, we learn God's power has no limit or boundaries. How do we know that? 
he knew the dream. He knew something. Everyone in this chapter said to King Nebuchadnezzar, there is no man on earth that can interpret a dream, can tell you what you dreamed. That is an impossibility. Was it impossible for God? No. God knows our thoughts. And he tells us that throughout Scripture, I know your thoughts. Your thoughts are not my thoughts. And your ways are not my ways. Anything that you see in this and you go, hmm, could that be true? Go back, because let me tell you, it's richly repeated throughout the entire book. He has all wisdom and power. Verses 20 through 23, I know you all sat on for a moment, where he says, Praise be to the God of name for, to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. He changes times and seasons. He sets up kings and deposes them. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness and light dwells in him. Hmm, could that be true? I think I remember in Jeremiah where he said, Come to me and ask me and I will reveal to you unsearchable things. He does it from the beginning all the way through. He knows what will happen in the days to come, verse 28. God gives dominion and power and glory, verse 37. God will provide and set up his kingdom. Is it a passing kingdom that might come and go? No. It's his kingdom which will last forever. I can go back in Isaiah and I can look in there and learn that he has already done that for me there too. He tells me all about Jesus before Jesus comes. He's telling Daniel about Jesus before Jesus comes. He's saying, you are in this land of captivity, but I haven't forgotten you. I can and go back to the garden and see Adam and Eve where they thought they were abandoned and they were taken into a certain captivity when they were kicked out of the garden. He never left them. He was always with them. But he is true and he is just. And, and he cannot be in the presence of sin because that's who he is. That's who you worship. For a moment, consider it is who you worship. And then you will realize that nothing is out of the realm of possibility if he has put it in your path. And that's where Daniel sat, in an impossible situation. Literally impossible. How could I know what Antoinette dreamed? I can't. But God does, because there's no boundary for him. At the end of this chapter, and I hope at the end of every chapter, that I will pause at the end, even though we are going to see some pretty fantastic stories and some pretty amazing things and some very amazing prophecies. And toward the end, we are going to see prophecies that will literally affect us. Because this book doesn't stop with what's going on in these kingdoms. It goes to the end of time. Let us not get caught up in that. Let us always be anchored in learning about who God is through those mysteries. Does that make sense a little bit? All right, so we went through the attributes of God. And we've learned a little bit, I hope, about what it shows us about God's love. In that, He never is going to leave. He's always there because He loves us. If I sit here and I look at Nebuchadnezzar's question at the very beginning, he says to his advisors, because it's so interesting, he has this wacky dream, and he goes to them and he says, I've had a dream that troubles me and I want to know what it means. How many of you are sitting here today, it may not have been a dream, 
But there's a lot of stuff going on that you don't have the answer to. I can tell you in our prayer time this morning, uh, we, we get the great opportunity to pray and just, and just in the best way that we can give the morning to the Lord. There were so many things that you sit there scratching your head going, I don't understand why. How, how does this work in your plan? How, what does this mean? And what Nebuchadnezzar did in his very limited knowledge, he went to the world and said, here, you are the best in the world. And let me tell you, these were the best. He had the best of the best of everything. When Daniel came to, when they were taken into captivity, Daniel was part of the royal court. He was nobility. That's who Nebuchadnezzar took. He didn't take people that were peasants that were working in the field. He took the cream of the cream, the best of the best, and that's who was in his court. These sorcerers and magicians, they were the best. They couldn't do it. And it makes me think, how many times do I go and seek the world's knowledge before I go and seek the one who really has all the knowledge? Probably more often than not, because I don't mean to do. I don't mean to do that. The world's kind of taught us that that's how it works, and that's what you do. If we look at Daniel's example of what he did, he took the request, he heard it, and he took it, and he spoke with wisdom and tact to the people there. And right after that, he boldly went before the king. Why could he do that? Because he knew who he was anchored in. How do we know that? Because in chapter one, we learned that he was humble. Because he had a lifestyle that, that showed us that. He didn't fast for one day. His lifestyle was fasting as he humbled himself before the Lord. We saw him be less of himself and completely anchored in God as he went and asked a question that he knew could kill the person that was going to ask Nebuchadnezzar if he didn't have to eat the, eat the food. So we know that he was anchored in God. So he could boldly do that. And then he went straight to his friends. He stood up without knowing that what was going to happen. He said, I'm going to do this. I'm going to interpret your dream. Did he know what the dream was when he said he was going to interpret it? No. He had no idea what it was. Can you imagine? Yet he knew who God was, so he knew he could say, I will, I'll interpret that dream. And he runs straight to his friends who are around him, who too know who God is. And what do they do? They don't say, okay, what do you think the dream is going to be? Did you hear that he's going to kill us because we've got to figure out this dream? No. They went straight down on their knees and begged and pleaded, please, Lord, have mercy on us. This is your story. Please show us what it is so that you alone, Lord God, can receive the glory. And what happened that night? The mystery was revealed. And then what did he do after that? Yes, I've got the mystery. Hey, you guys, I've got the mystery. I've got it covered. We're saved. He went and he praised the Lord. He went straight again to the one who was the provider and said, only because you are who you say you are is any of this going to happen. And then he goes to the king. And who does he give credit to? Never once does Daniel walk in there. Daniel does not walk in front of the presence of the Lord, I mean of the king. God walks in front of that king. Daniel is his vehicle. And who knows that? Daniel. So, for a moment, as you think about your own life, Daniel was anchored in the true foundation, a rock that did not move. There are things all around you that are shifting sand every day. 
And as I thought about this, it made me think about the ocean and how if you stand right where the waves hit, you know, your feet, the ground is always moving. And I thought about this world and how that, that is indicative of where we live. And I, 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 after college, I got an MBA. And when I was getting, I went to a school called Thunderbird, which is an international management school. And when I went there, the, the thing that everybody studied was Japanese. That was where it was. Japan was the center of every business that was going to happen. People were flocking to learn Japanese. Is it? Is it? No. <laughs> Because now it's Chinese. Everybody's flocking to learn Chinese because the sands shift, because that's the world. There's no, there's no foundation or rock. What about for just the trend of people who go back to work or who stay at home with their children? Okay? There's shifting sands in that. What about the person, the mothers that's sitting there with a the little three-year-old or a toddler trying to figure out what the best school is because I've got to get my kid in preschool because if they're not in the right preschool then they won't be developmentally proper and then they won't be able, they won't know their ABCs when they're in first grade but they will know that and then they're going to be behind and oh my gosh, that's pretty shifty because ooh, the waves are coming in, they're going out. What about, let's just say for my, where I sit now in the teen tween crowd, but I also sit in that three-year-old toddler crowd too. <laughs> it's the full schedule thing. I have got to have my schedule full. They have to be in soccer. They've got to be in lacrosse. They've got to be in football. And they've got to be in tennis and volleyball. Because if they aren't, when they get to high school, they won't have a place to belong because they won't know and everybody's doing it. And they'll, you know, Wah. Am I right? I mean, is that where we're living? It is. That, my friends, is shifting sand. It really is. Okay, so then you're in high school. Where are they going to go to college? They've got to be taking all the AP courses. If they don't take the AP courses, then they're got oh, and then they won't have the right friends. If they're not in the AP courses, they're going to be with that crowd that's saying yes to a lot of stuff I don't want to say yes to. And then we've got to be going to this. They must be dating. Oh, group dating? Group dating is where it is. But I've got to be in this bus to go to this party. And whew, That is shifting sands. Isn't it? Okay, that takes my breath away. Because then it's like, oh, it's all about me. I've got to figure this out. I've got to figure it out. That is the biggest, fattest lie. If you're buying into it, and let me tell you, everyone, you are pelted by it every single minute of the day. On KLTY, go sit in your car, and you will hear at least five ads from here to your home about how to improve the looks of your body, either by losing weight or, I mean, really, it's unreal. So it's all around you every day. That's shifting sands. For anybody that was with us last year, I think it was last year. It could have been two years ago. We memorized a great chapter in Psalms, Psalms 27. And there's one thing it says about this. One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek Him in His temple. Because if I'm doing that, where are my eyes? They aren't on me. If they're on me, it's shifting sand. If they're on him, it's a rock. For in the day of troubles, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in his shelter. It's 12.05. I have another page. You're getting the splattering. I'm stopping. But I think you get the message. And I hope I do. I hope I do. Because that rock doesn't ever move. And it doesn't change. 
it is the same the minute that he breathed life into Adam as it is the beautiful day that he tells me he will come back. And it's true. So, the word of the Lord. We have a little something to sh just... Well, and a beautiful song because it's how firm a foundation. So keep it in your mind because it makes me want to cry. Let us rest in the foundation. Don't be fooled by this world. Thank you. In his excellence.